0: Anyway, please turn in your Bibles this evening to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. When when I started thinking about Nehemiah for the message tonight, I was just thinking about his character. And I thought there would be something in the title about his character, and we would talk about many things concerning Nehemiah. The character of Nehemiah, but we're just going to talk about his care tonight, not care given to him. Nehemiah, he cared. He was a man who cared. And and that is something very good to rub off on us that we might share his his caring heart and his steps in his caring heart and what he was able to do. That started because he cared. Nehemiah cared about his heritage. He cared about his ancestral city. And the destruction that was taking place in Jerusalem. There there were no walls around the city of Jerusalem. The walls around a city were protection for a city. And they didn't have that. The temple had been rebuilt from destruction before, but not completely. So they were very susceptible to attack. They were in great affliction and just trying to survive in Jerusalem. Nehemiah wasn't there. Nehemiah was hundreds of miles away. He wasn't suffering the way that they were suffering. But in another way, Nehemiah was suffering the way that they were suffering because he cared. He found out about it, and he cared, he cried, he prayed, he did something about it. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in verses 1 through 11. I I want you to notice uh, along the way, you're going to see that that he asked, Nehemiah asked about the condition of Jerusalem and then you're going to see that he wept and then he prayed and he prayed for forgiveness for them, for him and then he was willing to do the work, he found confidence in the Lord to do the work and so Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of "...of Hecaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace. And Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem." And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, "...for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses." Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there." Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. News came back to Nehemiah of what's going on in Jerusalem. We're about to learn about it. We're going we're to walk through that and walk into it. But we're just going to see that, that he simply wasn't able to ignore it. He, in verses 1 through 3, we, it's the inquiring of Nehemiah to what was going on in his ancestral city and, and to, the, to the people, to the remnant there. And he just wasn't able to ignore it. The magnificent city of Jerusalem was in shambles. Nehemiah knew Jerusalem had, had been destroyed and there was a t- an attempt to rebuild, but there wasn't a complete rebuilding and the, and the city ca- came under attack. They were wide open to be attacked. They, they weren't protected in any way. Nehemiah isn't there. Nehemiah is the king of... He, he's the cupbearer of the king, and he's a long journey from Jerusalem, he has an important position. You might think cupbearer doesn't sound very important, but he has an important position. He's in a a position to be able to to have influence of, it might be used for good, it might be used for evil for some, but it's in such a position that he has access to the king that there might be great influence. You know, he could have been back in Jerusalem with his people. He could have been there uh, with them, but he was in the palace. And it appears that that's where God wanted him to be. When you think about Esther, and Esther was in a place where there was a minority group of her people, but she was there at such a time as this that she might be used as a help in the rescue of her people. We have a similar situation here with Nehemiah. Or maybe like Joseph, when Joseph was in Egypt. But look how he was able to provide for His family and bring His family to them out of the famine that they could survive. When God has a work to be done, He always puts His workers right where He needs them. It might not make a whole lot of sense to us what we see. It might not make a lot of sense to the worker in in a time as to where they are. But when we are in the will of God, we are in such a place, in the right place at the right time with what God wants to do with us. Then on what seemed to be an ordinary day in Nehemiah's life, His brother, not not just a brother, and his brother, we learn later in the chapter, this is his brother who comes to him. And he returned from a trip to Jerusalem, and Nehemiah knew he had some information, and he just couldn't turn it away. Some people think it's a a benefit to stay ignorant of some things. I mean, what you don't know won't hurt you, some people say. What we don't know will hurt us many times. Because because what we might not be knowing or coming to know is a way that God wants to use us in a very powerful way. So Nehemiah was in good shape in that he was not able to ignore this situation and he had to ask his brother, what is going on in Jerusalem? What are the conditions there? And that question, just a simple question from Nehemiah, and it brought about a major turning point in his life. I read a statement a while back, and it says, large heavy doors swing on small hinges. A huge life-changing event came about for Nehemiah by one simple question that came from him. This day that we're in with Nehemiah and talking about, this is kind of like the day that David left his, his little flock that he was tending to, and he went, and, and he was appointed king. This is a big day like that for Nehemiah because... He had a caring heart, and he couldn't ignore to ask. He had to ask what was going on. He knew it was going to be trouble. It might put an obligation on him. It might put some responsibility on his heart to ask and inquire of what's going on in his ancestral city, but he did. We need to keep our hearts open to God's leading. No matter what it might involve, no matter what reservations try to go on inside of us, we never know what a small conversation will lead into. It may be with a church member, it may be with a family member, it it may be going to someone that, that you feel is in need, you feel that they are troubled. and and to go to them and reach out to them, you never know what opportunity might present itself for God's people on just a simple question that's asked to another. Testimony of one preacher. Before he became a preacher, he was invited to a family birthday party, little kid's birthday party, and he didn't have a kid involved in it. He didn't want to go. If we're honest, we're like that sometimes. Oh, another birthday party. Here we go. But he goes to this little party, and he sits down with an extended family member he hasn't spoken to in a long time. And long story short, what they engage in and the conversation they had steered him in a direction that put him in ministry for the rest of his life, and he became a pastor Big doors swing on small hinges. From Nehemiah, it was simply a question about the remnant of his people that were hundreds of miles away from him. And hey, they were suffering ultimately because of their own sin. I mean, they, they had you know, created the situation they were in by their rebellion. Most people would, would just shy away from asking about something like that, inquiring uh, about a situation like that. But what we don't know can hurt us sometimes because we could miss out on a divine mission from God that He has prepared for us. And all we have to do is care, to care and to ask, to inquire about it and... And here we are, set up with what God wants us to do. Listen to what the weeping prophet Jeremiah said in 15.5. And see if this doesn't sound like Nehemiah's situation here. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? Or who shall bemoan thee? Or who shall go aside to ask how thou doest? Nehemiah did. Nehemiah was the man of God chosen for this very thing. And he was able to answer it. He was able to be a part of this because he cared. He was that man because he had a caring heart. He cared enough to ask. How do we measure true care in a situation like this? Well, we want to know the truth. About the worst situations, not for curiosity, but out of concern. That's, that's care. Nehemiah, he had to ask about Jerusalem because he cared. He wasn't able to ignore it. He wasn't able to internalize it. Look at verse 4 with me. And it came to pass when I heard these words, when Nehemiah heard the answer from his brother about Jerusalem, and, and in ruins they were that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted. And we'll just stop right there for a minute. You know, if you ever need a good laugh, get, get on YouTube or something and type in people falling down. It's funny. Look, it's not funny when somebody falls down and breaks their hip. It's not funny when people hurt their leg, but little kids on the playground or on a slipping side or, or on a bicycle, and, the, you know, the, sometimes they're made up. You can tell, you can tell the fake ones that they're, they're set up, but every now and then somebody's being recorded and they just bust it and fall on the ground. It's funny. Look them up. You'll have hours of laughter if you look that up. You know, but, but there are people who laugh over the terrible mistakes and misfortune of others. And that's a terrible thing to do. And that reveals something in the character of the one who might mock another's disappointments. But God bless those who weep over the downfall of others. People see weeping as weakness. And, and, and sometimes it is. But sometimes weeping is a sign of strength in us. The apostle Paul wept. The prophet Jeremiah wept. Our Lord Jesus Christ wept. And here, in this situation, Nehemiah is weeping over this situation. People, who knows how many people who could have done something ignored it and didn't want to hear about it, didn't want to know anything about it. But he asked, and he's weeping... When God places a burden on our hearts, we shouldn't try to escape it. We shouldn't sit and fret and think about our inability, think about our lack of ability, think about uh, a lack of confidence, and we can't do that. Uh, Lord, I can't speak. Uh, I need someone to speak for me. We, we should not try to escape what burdens our hearts. We are going to miss out on a huge blessing If we do, God has great works planned for us. In many ways, most of the time, maybe all of the time, the way it's going to start is with a burden on our heart. We're just not going to be able to stop thinking about whatever it is. We're going to be restless inside. We're not going to be comfortable. We're going to be very disturbed until we start to pursue and act on this burden that is on our hearts. God laid a burden on Nehemiah about a great affliction. In verse 3, we read of great affliction in Jerusalem... And Nehemiah, he just couldn't internalize that burden. He, he started weeping, and he acted on it. And, and what we're going to get to, get to down the road, let, let me look at this in the very beginning here. We read of a great affliction. If we were to jump to chapter 8 and verse 17, it says that there was very great gladness. I tell you what, good things come out of the burden that the Lord lays on our hearts that we submit to, that we'll answer to, that we will have confidence in Him, that He will use us in that burden. It started with tears, it started with fasting, it started with the weeping of Nehemiah, and now he's praying. He knows... Something had to be done to rescue to Jer- Jerusalem, and he just couldn't internalize it. And he was willing to go. He was willing to, to put his toe in the water. He was willing to start stepping into it because he cared. A caring heart. You know, it's, it's easy to lose that. It's easy to become calloused. It's easy to look back over difficult situations and and things we've dealt with and and people we've dealt with, and it's so easy to lose a caring heart. May, May that never happen in our lives. May we always be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Nehemiah cared, and because he cared, he began to intercede about the situation. He prayed. In verses 5 through 10, we find Nehemiah, now after he is asked, and after he's crying over the situation, now he is praying over the situation. There is a lot of recorded prayer in the book of Nehemiah. You think about Nehemiah's character. You think about the great task he was able to do. You think about how God used him so mightily. And so much prayer... Is recorded here. This, this book begins in prayer. And this book ends in prayer. Nehemiah is answering the call of God. To a great work. A work. He really has no idea. How to get started in it. He really has no idea. How to organize it all. He could He could think about his insecurities. And say no not me. There's no way I can do this. But instead. He started praying. He depended on the Lord. And the way you know he depended on the Lord is because he started praying. The evidence of dependence upon the Lord is that we are a praying people. You know, we don't like certain difficulties that come into our lives. We don't like the valleys of life. But have you found that you do a lot of praying in that time? God's doing something good in these situations and and we'll find ourselves praying more in such a time. It's a blessing to have a burden on our heart, a burden bigger than we can handle, a burden bigger than we know what to do about. Because Nehemiah had that, but he was in much prayer. We don't need to be doing any less work But we need to be doing some more wait. Some more waiting before God. Waiting before God, before the work. We should pray before everything that we do. And this is what we find Nehemiah doing. We need, we don't need less performance, but we need more prayer before our performance. Before Nehemiah gets involved He intercedes in prayer. That's something I've had to learn. You know, it it might sound good that that maybe there's a need, and and I try to run to it, and I try to do this, and I try to do that. And we learn along the way that before we do anything, we need to to go to the Lord, and and we need to supplicate to Him, and we need His guidance in it. We're not to just pray, But we're to pray first. And this is what Nehemiah does. Before he gets involved, he intercedes. What does he say to God? What do you say to God when it's such a devastating situation and you really don't know what to do and it's difficult and and the city of God is in shambles and the, the people of God, it's just a remnant hanging on there, and they're trying to survive. And you want to do something about it? It's a a tough situation. God has allowed it, obviously. What do you say to God? Well, Nehemiah intercedes with praise. We see in verse 5. He says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. That word terrible doesn't mean terrible. It means awesome. Our God is an awesome God. And He is worthy of praise and worship. When the affliction is great, when the trouble is heavy, when we are overmatched by the task at hand, when God has allowed some ruin in lives, He is still worthy to be praised. And He praises His awesome God first. The affliction is great. The work is hard. But God is great. His power is great. His goodness is great. He's great in mercy. He's a great God. He's always a great God. Give Him praise in the problem. Give Him praise when, when you have no idea how you're going to answer the call to this burden that you believe the Lord has put on your heart. Give Him praise. Give Him praise when you face a burden. Give Him praise in favor and blessing. Through it all, give God praise. Some of us went to a funeral. Uh, it's been seven or eight, nine years ago now. And it was a difficult funeral. And, and I could have had the thought, I'm glad I'm not preaching this funeral I'm not going to go into details. It was a sad one and it was a tough one. I say it was a sad one. The preacher came out and said, we're going to praise God today. And he started preaching and it wasn't fake. It wasn't a cover of the reality of the situation. We truly gave praise to God even into the midst of, of someone who had passed on so very young in an awful situation. God is always worthy of our praise. What does Nehemiah praise God for? Not just because he's an awesome God, but you see in verse 5 that word covenant. The great and terrible God that keepeth covenant. God keeps His word. How about praising God for that? Because all of the time, God keeps His word. He, he cannot lie. He does not change. The work is hard, but God is going to be faithful through it. God, I don't, As if Nehemiah is saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. But I know that you are faithful. I know that you're faithful to your word. It's not going to pass away. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins. Nehemiah had no idea how to to repair it. But he obviously knew the first thing to do. He went to God in prayer. And he went to God and gave him praise. He intercedes with praise. And then in verses 6-9 through of this prayer... You see that he intercedes for pardon. God promises to correct his children when when his children rebel, but he also promises forgiveness. He promises forgiveness when we confess before God. When we repent before God, he promises forgiveness. And Nehemiah believed this promise and he claimed it as he prayed confessing the sin of Israel but not just Israel. He's hundreds of miles away. Israel's suffering over their sin. He confesses the sin of Israel but he doesn't leave himself out. Notice in verse 6 You're not going to find the word they or them. You're going to find the word we. And set up verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house. Look in verse 7. We have dealt very corruptly against thee. You know, we, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters that backslidden though, the, in, in sin, whatever. But when we're going to go to the Lord and, and maybe in, in the right, compassionate, loving way to talk about the, the condition that another Christian is in and maybe that they would be forgiven, we, we can always ask for forgiveness ourselves. Granddaddy used to say, look, if you can't think of a sin that you've done in a day, just tell the Lord you know you've sinned and you need forgiveness because, because this flesh is a sin-producing factory until we get to heaven. There's a different attitude about it, praise the Lord. There's a totally different attitude about it when we get saved. We, we loved it before we were saved. After we were saved, it makes us miserable. And, and, and we can't wait to confess it to the Lord that we might have His promise of being cleansed of all unrighteousness. And so, Nehemiah prays for Israel. He prays for himself too. He didn't play the blame game with his ancestry people, but included himself in the need for forgiveness. I, I had an opportunity to counsel somebody before I came to this church many years ago. I, I hadn't been a Christian very long, and, and maybe I have a little more tact now, but back then it, it wasn't rude, but it was just straight shooting. We, we need to be clear about this. And so somebody wanted to meet, and they told me of their situation. And I said, the first thing we need to do, we, we need to, to have a clean slate with God. We need to go to the Lord, and, and we need to confess what we've done to Him. In, in what we've done to our family or whatever the situation was. And they said, why would I tell God what a jerk I've been? I wish I was a little quicker with the answers on the spot. You know what a good answer? I, I gave an answer and it was truth and it was good enough. But a good answer would have been, how about because He promises to forgive us? When we tell him what a jerk we've been, how about he already knows what a jerk I've been? And it's for our benefit that we go to the Lord and confess those things. And when we do, he forgives, he promises to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Nehemiah prays much and he's quoting God's covenant he's quoting the promises as he requests God to forgive his people, regather them to their land and restore them with favor and blessing. He he doesn't really know how he's going to do this, but he knows what to do first. He goes to the Lord and he goes to the Lord in prayer. Nehemiah enters this prayer humbly and hey, he comes out of it with confidence. Somebody said the young preacher went into the pulpit real, real arrogant and all that stuff and he left with his head down. And on his way out, sweet little lady said, son, if you would have gone into that pulpit the way you came out of the pulpit, how did I finish that? If you, would have, if you would have gone into the pulpit the way you came out of the pulpit, you would have come out of the pulpit the way you went into the pulpit. Put that together. Hey, he went in humbly before the Lord and he came out with confidence. Confidence in the promises of God. Confidence in the power of God. Confidence that God sees the need of His people. Confidence that God hears the prayers of His people. Confidence that God is working on our behalf. Great things you know, it's one thing that if we it's one thing to say our prayers, it's another thing to be praying. And when we do, we're, we're going to be telling God back His Word in prayer. And we might enter into prayer with a calamity, and we're going to leave prayer in confidence. Nehemiah's strength for this work before him was that he knew himself to be too weak for the task. He was too weak to rebuild Jerusalem alone. And he knew that God wasn't too weak and that God had all the power that he needed. He was also confident in God's faithfulness. Look with me in verse 10. Nehemiah in this prayer says, Now these are thy servants and thy people. He says this of a people that are near ruin. He says this of a people who God has allowed to go through some destruction and destruction of the city. But He says, Now these are thy servants and thy people. God's people had sinned, but they were still His servants. They were still his people. And Nehemiah claimed that. He, God chastened them, but he did not abandon his people. God redeemed his people from Egypt. He set them free from Babylonian bondage. And by confidence in the faithfulness of God, Nehemiah knew that God would help them. He knew that God would rebuild the city. That gave Nehemiah confidence also that he wasn't in the work alone. All of a sudden, he has confidence in what God has called him to do, and he doesn't have to try to do it alone. He knows that God is at work. He is encouraged by God, and now he believes that God's people are going to be encouraged by God, and he's not in this work of building that wall alone any longer. He believes others were going to see God at work and get into the work. I've told you before about a preacher. I, I guess I can't get over his statement. Uh, I, I just need to be thankful that I've had good mentors. And, and I don't think he did. And he said, I've just got a problem. No, nobody's going to outserve me." me. And, and though I didn't know what to think about that at the time, I knew that didn't sound right. And you know what? A a good leader is not going to think that way. A good leader is not going to do it all alone. A good leader is going to get others in the work with him. He was also confident that God would work in his current obligations for this project to get started. You know... To jump and run into any situation, we're just going to forget a lot of things. A lot of things that would cause us a lot of trouble. Nehemiah prayed and God leaded him. Think about some things that Nehemiah needed to do. I mean, to get started with this project. He had a job. He was cupbearer for the king. He he couldn't just quit his job. He couldn't just walk away from the king. He was going to want to use some materials from the king's forest to be able to rebuild that wall. Once this job of rebuilding the wall was done, he was going to need a job back with the king. You don't just walk away. I I think Christians ought to be the, the best employees a company has. The hardest working employees a company has. The most... Faithful to do do things in the right way. And so he prays, and and you might think about all of these things. He needed the king's permission to be able to do this. And if he got the king's permission to do it, then maybe he could have the king's provision in making the trip, in, in starting this, and the king's protection to go to Jerusalem for this work. To build the wall. Many of these things, they aren't first on our list in thought. You know, we could just stop and park on this and think about it a while. It's just downright dangerous to go, go, go without going to God first. And letting Him lead us. Nehemiah didn't make that mistake. He asked, he wept, and he prayed. And then he raised up to do the work with confidence that, hey, he had the blessing of the Lord in what he was doing. And the Lord showed him all of those other things so he could do it right and he could be a success in the work. To intercede before engaging, this was a key factor in his success, in his work being blessed. He was able to incline himself to the work. Because prayer was the first step. Nehemiah's will wasn't trying to influence God. God's will was influencing Nehemiah. If we're honest, many times we're tempted to act in such a way to take off in front of God with a plan, and then try to hitch God to our plan. You know what I believe we're more careful to do the more we grow in the Lord? Is to be careful in saying, the Lord's leading me to do this. We don't want to use His name in such a way that He doesn't know anything about it, and we're saying it's of Him. Nehemiah has made sure of this. We don't need to get ahead of the Lord and do the Lord any favors and line some out and say, come on, Lord. He does not need our ability. God needs our availability. He needs a humble, submissive, willing, available heart, caring heart to do His work. Why not not forget about our ability and just be available to Him because of His ability. We, 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 say that we, we quote Ephesians 3.20 a lot around here I've noticed over the last couple of years. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. If He is able to do more than the greatest thing we could ever think of God doing, how much better is His ability than our ability and what we can do. If we can't even think good enough to what God can do, how are we going to be able to do anywhere near comparison to what God can do? As Nehemiah prayed, he became more passionate about his burden. You know, the, the thought of the, something huge that the Lord has for us to do You know that it'll it'll stop us in our tracks. And we're going to think about ourselves and 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 our inability to do this or that. As Nehemiah prayed, he became more passionate about the burden on his heart. And God started giving him insight to what needed to be done and how. Not that he could connect the dots exactly how the Lord was speaking to him about it and giving him this insight, but but as he prayed, it just started coming together. Prayer keeps us at a good pace, and it keeps us at a good balance in the work. It's easy to get ahead of God and ruin everything. And I'm not exaggerating. When... If we get ahead of God and we don't get behind Him, we could ruin everything. Kind of like the man, the hunter that finally got him a good hunting dog, he thought. That hunting dog was always out in front of him. And he said, Fido, if you don't get behind me, I'm going to end up shooting you. And, and, and look at, look at our goal. We're, we're out to get something else. If you'll get behind me, I will tell you when to go. It's the same thing with God. It's what Nehemiah did. He had a good pace and a good balance because he had a good prayer life. We need God to reveal to us what to do, when to do, and how to do. Prayer, Nehemiah was, by prayer, Nehemiah was able to incline himself to the work. He didn't start by asking God to send someone else. When God lays a burden on our hearts, we need to follow this plan. We need to have the confidence and be open to God wanting to use us in what He lays on our hearts to do. I don't mind saying something that, that Pastor Stone said of Beverly, and I, and I agree with it. A lot of times, people would come to Beverly in the office and kind of whisper to her their idea for a new ministry or something to do. And, and, and her answer was, that's a good idea, why don't you, why don't you get to working on that, and Kind of get that idea started. That's that's a great answer to give. Nehemiah was burdened and committed with the attitude, now here am I, send me. And long story short, getting to the end, that wall was built in 52 days. The gates were restored. The people were rejoicing. And all of this started with someone who cared enough to ask when a burden was on their heart. I I reckon God's still looking for Nehemiah's today. He's still looking for Nehemiah's today. He's placing burdens on hearts of his people, and, and God's working and God's active, but God takes up the role, I reckon, of observing many times. He, he sends a burden our way that we might embrace that burden, that we might ask, that, that we might become burdensome, that we might weep over it, that we might pray over it, that we might be willing to respond the way God wants us to respond. And He's just looking for that response. He's looking for caring saints who will, who will ask, who will weep, who will pray, and who will volunteer to do the work. Aren't you glad that burden that the Father laid on the Son's heart, He carried out. He had a burden for us lost in our sins, in the bondage of sin, the slave market of sin, tearing up our lives, eternally separating us from God. And the Father gave Him such a burden that That he came to this earth for us and he lived a perfect life in our place. And then he took our penalty on the cross and he died for our sins. And what no one else could ever do, he was raised from the grave and he defeated our sin, our death, and our hell for us. Aren't you glad Jesus cares? Aren't you glad He cared enough to provide an eternal salvation so that we can be saved from our sins? Christians, tonight, let us continue to be ever so sensitive to the fact that God's still looking for Nehemiah. And if you're here tonight and, and you've never said, Jesus saved me from my sins. If you've never trusted, if by faith, you've never by faith said, Jesus, I need to be saved from my sins. You don't need to worry about Nehemiah right now. You just need to look to Jesus. And it's the most amazing moment you'll ever have in your lives when you simply realize you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins. And the Bible says if you trust Him, if you'll trust Jesus, He will will take that guilt of sin away, He will lift that burden, and be your Lord and Savior, and you can have peace with what happens to you when this life is over. You're not scared of the unknown, You're you're not scared to die, because you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ in your heart. If you're here tonight and you've never believed on the Lord Jesus, would you do that tonight? As, as a bunch of Nehemiahs pray, we're, we're going to be a caring group of God's people. We're going to care, we're going to ask, we're going to weep, we're going to pray, and we're going to work. Amen? Let, let us go to the Lord, Father in heaven. We bow before you tonight, and we thank you, We thank you for the day that you've given us. We thank you for the power of your word going out this morning and searching the hearts of lost souls that they might be saved. We thank you for the encouragement you've given your people today to be able to be in your house and to worship you. Lord, we're here to make it all about you, but I ask for your people that you would meet the needs of their hearts, that anyone who is hurting here tonight, Lord, that, that they would just know that you're working in their heart and, and give them peace, and, and may they sense your presence in a powerful way. Lord, those who are struggling with their health, Lord, I, I pray that you might see fit just to, just to lift their pain, Lord, and, and, and give them a, a good evening t- tonight, and give them a, a good week this week, Lord. I thank you for being so good to us, your people. Lord, you're worthy of us being so sensitive and caring to the burdens of life that you might lay on our hearts, that we might be sacrificial, that we would forget about ourselves and think of someone else and how the task we pick up that you give us Can be a blessing to others and a fulfillment in our lives that we're doing your will. We pray these things tonight in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If everyone could please stand.